I want to do a shout out to one of our amazing partners, Banzoogle. Now, Banzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a stunning website for artists. Now, I have personally have used web builders for years. In fact, the 8020 Records website is maintained by yours truly. But honestly, these days, as someone who represents artists, I just want something straightforward that still looks amazing and works with everything that we use, such as Bandcamp, SoundCloud, Bands of Town, Printful, and so forth. And Banzoogle checks off all of these. Also, for those of you who have no idea how to build websites, don't worry, they make it super easy there too. You do not need to know a single line of code. In fact, after you sign up, they go step-by-step step through each part of the process to get you up and running. Plus, their pricing is practically the same as if you paid for a web host. So really, it's a no-brainer. Lastly, and most importantly, what I love about Banzoogle is the people. Every single person I've spoken to has been nothing but kind and extremely responsive and helpful. They truly care about the artists that use their platform. And honestly, don't just take my word for it. Go listen to my interview with Stacy Bedford, the CEO of the company. Banzoogle is also offering to all our listeners 15% off the first year of any subscription. Just enter the promo code 8020show or 8020show, like the numbers, on banzoogle.com. I'll also put it in the description. Built by musicians for musicians. Banzoogle. You're listening to The 8020 Show, an inside look into the music industry. Hello and welcome everybody to The 8020 Show. I am your wonderful host, Mike Zimmerlich. And this is the 100th episode of this podcast, and I cannot believe it. I want to take the opportunity to thank all of you for been listening since the beginning, or if this is the first episode, I cannot thank you enough for coming in. I hope you've been enjoying it so far. It really is amazing to look back and think that I never thought in my life I would actually have my own podcast. And it's amazing to think that 100 episodes in now. And I just love doing it so much. It is such an honor to talk to all these incredible people in the music industry and to hopefully give you all a glimpse into what the music business is all about, whether you've been in it for years or just getting started. I also want to take the opportunity to thank Moira, who does all the post-production work for every single episode. So thank you so much, Moira. I could not do this without you. Now, since this is the 100th episode, I wanted to do something special. So during the NAMM show, which is one of the largest music conferences in the world, we teamed up with West Tone Audio to do interviews at their booth. Not only do we interview West Tone Audio artists, but also the vice president of product development and the director of consumer products for the company. I had such a wonderful time talking to everyone and it really gave me insight into what it takes to work for an audio company. So if you're looking to get into that side of the business and work for a company like Westone Audio, there's tons of information in here. On top of that, I had an absolute blast talking to every single one of the artists. It truly shows what it takes to build a genuine relationship with a brand. So thank you all so much again for listening to the 8020 show. It is my absolute pleasure and honor to give you the 100th episode. I am here with not just one, but two engineers from Westone Audio. So uh, real quick, uh, can you introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Tal Kosin. I am the uh, Vice President of Product Development here at uh, Lucid Audio and uh, Westone Audio. And uh, with me, I have... Uh, Dave Sima, he is our uh, director of consumer product, and he is the lead engineer on uh, everything consumer earphone that we make at Weston Audio. That's incredible. Now, Tal, how did you get into this position? Can you give like a little brief history of how you got involved sure. with Lucid? So, I have a pretty eclectic background to, to how I got here today. Uh, I started out as a classical musician. Uh, I was a classical trumpet player. Went through went through college. That's amazing. I'm a trumpet player myself. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Uh, I went back to school for audio engineering, ended up, uh, moved to New York City, uh, spent a couple years working in recording studios, and then transitioned over, and then spent uh, about, you know, eight plus years on the road touring. So I was touring full time as audio engineer, tour manager, bands from, you know, small to large, uh, you know, tiny little clubs to arenas, and then, uh, 
made a transition off the road and uh, ended up starting my own company. Um, there's a successful uh, audiophile company and then uh, was able to, to get an opportunity at Lucid Audio to uh, run product development and I jumped at the chance. I sold my company and uh, moved over and uh, that's where that's where I met Dave, and, and that's kind of where the, the story of, of uh, you know, the Edemotic uh, Evo and the Western Audio Mock Series uh, began, and that's the story that we're telling today. That's amazing. Uh, now, Dave, uh, if you don't mind, I would love to hear your background as well. I don't know if mine's quite as eclectic and interesting, but, you know, for a long time, I've always been an audio guy in kind of every respect you know I've, I've been kind of on the audiophile hi-fi side of things but I also play guitar so I've been in kind of the pro audio side of things as well and, and that's been even back to my teenage years it all tracks back that far so it was kind of a natural interest for me and I was actually an Edemotic user when I found out they were hiring oh really yeah so you know I think gosh it's like 18 years now I finally I saw they were hiring decided that was a good place for me because it, it kind of ticked all the, my personal boxes. So I started there just as an entry-level engineer. Within a few years, I was managing earphone projects, and that's kind of the way it is. I mean, I, I, I started just doing basic engineering stuff, then I went to project lead, then I became senior project lead, and I've been in charge of the consumer earphones now for well over a decade. And now I'm on the West Tone side as well as the Edemotic side. And, kind of getting to stretch my creative boundaries a little bit because there's so many different things that we do now so it's it's actually been a blast I mean it's it's really fun that if I think of something and I can make it sound good that there's an option for it for me so it's it's been a lot of fun and, and I've had a lot of fun working with Tall uh, because we have kind of similar mindsets and approach to things and and he has a, a nice understanding of the pro audio touring world and things like that. And he brings a lot of experience. So between the two of us, I think we cover a lot of ground. But That's incredible. Yeah. So can you talk both of you about more about the mock products? Were you both involved in developing this new series? Yeah, so um, I think first maybe just briefly we could talk about, um, you know, Edemotic, Weston Audio, Lucid Audio. Yes, yes, that absolutely, because right? that, that is a recent change that has yeah, been made. So and. Rochelle has been on the on the podcast before, and we, we did discuss a little bit uh, about that. But yes, definitely recap on uh, right. how that all came about. So, uh, Lucid Audio acquired Edemotic four years ago now, I think. Right? Was, I think it was like March of 2018. Um, and Dave was an engineer with Edemotic at the time, so Dave was kind of brought into the Lucid fold. And then uh, the Western Audio acquisition came in uh, the summer of 2020. And so that's kind of when we then uh, took over and pulled in the Western Audio product development. And kind of that's where the, the merging of the brands as far as the engineering and how we do things uh, kind of originates. You know, the genesis of the mock came from, you know, when we, when Lucid Audio first acquired Western Audio, um, there was a kind of a, a seed that was already germinating about uh, the Elite series from Western Audio, right? The, the custom series was mm -hmm. very well regarded, um, but the problem was it was only in custom, right? So you couldn't walk into a store and just buy some. You had to go to an audiologist, you had to get molds done, you had to send them off, you had to wait to get your customs, you know, yada, yada, yada. It's, a, it's a, not an it's easy a process. Yes. Um, so... You know the 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 thing was okay. Well, let's let's take this ES line, the Elite series, and let's make them universal, right? So we started with the design, um, and we quickly realized, uh, though Dave, I'm sure, knew it long before the rest of us, that it was not going to be as easy as just uh, you know putting the same drivers in a brand new uh, housing uh, and and uh, putting it on a shelf because they're going to sound completely different. And so what the initial intention was, was thought of ended up being a, what, an 18-month project? Yeah. So wow. essentially what we ended up doing, and I'll let Dave explain a little more about the intricacies of it, but we made eight new earphone models essentially from scratch that are modeled after the ES, but we had to kind of start from nothing. In 18 months, we made eight models, which is, I think, quite a feat um, by any standard. Um, but Dave, you want to tell a little more about 
what's involved? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people thought that you would just take the ES series, and you've got the design, so you just take it and you put it in a universal shell. But that doesn't actually work. Um, and the reason is is that in the customs, you have certain leeway that you don't have on a universal fit. You know? One is, is that you have the ability to move around tubing lengths. You know, in the, in the universals, we had a fixed length, almost, you know, a fixed exit tube because we shared the same shell across eight miles. And not only that, but we went from a dual exit tube solution in seven, seven out of the eight ES series are dual tube models. So we went to a single exit tube. So we had to convert that. And you can't just can take two and make it one because there's all sorts of acoustic impedances you have to deal with. It just It's a different acoustic design. So basically, as Tal was saying, we had to kind of ground up design to try to match the same targets that we had. And it, some of them were easier than others, but they all took quite a bit of time. And they're all different fundamentally. I mean, the acoustic signature tracks pretty well, but they aren't fundamentally all exactly the same design. We had to change drivers in some cases. We had to customize drivers in some cases that were different from the way before. We had to change some of the damping. There, there were all sorts of things we had to do to try to kind of tease them into being the same models. But in the end, we, we got there. I mean, they're, they're pretty tight. So it worked out. It just, it was a bit of a process. That's amazing. And uh, just out of curiosity, because I'm, I'm wearing in-ear monitors right now, are these in the, is these in the Mach series that I'm currently wearing? the Mach series. I can't see which ones you're wearing. I, don't, I wasn't sure. You got the uh, 40s. The 40s? Okay. That's incredible. So, um, so yeah, any, anything else that uh, you're going to be announcing today at NAM or anything else coming along the lines? I mean, eight, eight earphones is pretty significant for a single launch. Um, so... Today, probably not. I mean, there will be more in the future. We'll have to talk to you again soon. Absolutely, would love there, to. There will always be more coming down the pipeline, but it took us a little while to get to this, so we're going to kind of focus on the mock stuff for a bit. So uh, just a la uh, one last question, if you don't mind, and this would be for the both of you, is that um, there's so many people that are looking to get to where you are today. They, you know, they love uh, music products. They love the technology behind it and so forth. So anybody who's trying to essentially get to where you are now, any uh, starting advice for them? I mean, that's a really, it's a really hard question because... Yeah. Small tube acoustics are such a weird niche area. It's not like most people don't enroll in colleges for that. I mean, there are certainly acoustics courses, but this is a real kind of oddball thing. I mean, I guess the best advice is to learn a lot, read as much as you can. There's information out there. There's actually some do-it-yourself information out there. You know, try to understand how the measurements of it work. Try to understand how the mechanisms of it work. There's a lot of people that have dug into it and learned, and it's out there, and you can do it, and it's fun, so it's worth doing. I think I think uh, that was a very engineering way to say that. <laughs> Small tube acoustics, uh, <laughs> very difficult thing to get into. <laughs> That's true. Um, you know, I think that what it takes to to get to where we are today, and to where. Uh, if you look at the lineage of Western Audio, you look at the lineage of Anamotic, it really comes from a passion for audio and a passion for music, right? And kind of with that passion comes the products. You know, it's like I, before I was here, I started a different company um, that was in the audiophile world and um, started from scratch. And it was really, you know, our love of music and our kind of passion for the products that elevated us to the level to where we were and, and to be able to to I think actually uh, that company has a booth here at NAM. I think they're over in hallway um, you know and, and it's not really something that it's not something you can go to school for necessarily you know um, it's just something that that you know it's kind of like somebody asked you uh, you know how do you start a record label? Yeah. It's probably like you got to love music true. first. Right? You got to love music first and network yeah. like crazy. Totally. So. Excellent. Well, thank you so much and congratulations on the new product launch and um, really excited that we're back here at NAM. All right. Thanks for having us. Thank you. See you later, 8020. I am here with Artifice. How's it going, guys? It's going well, Mike. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. How's it going? Hey. 
So um, can you, uh, each of you, just introduce yourselves a little bit? Uh, give me a little bit of background about yourselves. Yeah, I'm Scotty Somerville, lead singer for Artifice. I'm Cody Criswell. I play lead guitar and do the backup vocals. I'm Michael Miller, and I play guitar. Awesome. And can you tell a little bit more about the band, how they got formed, and what yeah. kind of music it is? So 2011, Cody and I started the band, and uh, we actually like, had just built our like first, what we'd like to call a real studio. <clears throat> and... Uh, we started writing songs together, and we'd worked together in different bands in the past, and uh, we both just knew that it was destined for us to, to make music together. And <clears throat> so uh, we began that journey, and you know we found some other guys that were willing to risk it all and give up everything they had going on to just dive in 100%. We went and bought like an $800 van, and we hit the road, and played anywhere and everywhere we could play, and we've been kicking ever since. That's amazing. And where are you guys from? We're from all in the Jackson, Tennessee area. Oh, nice. Yeah, awesome. small towns all around there. That's amazing. Yeah. How far away is Jackson from Nashville? It's about two and a half from Nashville and oh. two hours from Memphis. So okay, we're not right too bad, middle. right? Smack dab yeah. in the middle. That's amazing. And what kind of music is it? Hard rock. Hard uh, rock. We nice. like to call it sometimes gent rock because there's a, a little bit of like the funky uh, rhythms and polyrhythms uh, influence. And we, we kind of try to go to, a, I would say, a slightly technical route. You know, or technical route, whatever you want to call it. Just don't want to sound uh, egotistical about it. But we try to be technical about it, more progressive. And, you know, we try to uh, also keep it to where it's also easy listening for people that, that aren't necessarily musicians that can just enjoy the songwriting as well. So for your musician, you can dive into it a little bit and be like, all right, these boys are doing something, you know. And if you don't know anything about music, you can just enjoy the song as well. That's amazing. And is this your first time at NAM, or have you been to NAM before? We went to Summer NAM okay. in, in Nashville, and uh, this is the first time uh, here in Anaheim, and this place is insane. Oh yeah, it's, <laughs> it's nuts. It's it's amazing. Uh, it, honestly, NAM is one of my favorite things to do uh, every single year. Oh, I've been wanting to come forever. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's, it's been a bucket list thing for me. You know, just see all the companies that you know we've grown up playing or working with, and. Uh, get to shake the hands of the people that created those instruments a lot of times like that's a pretty unique experience absolutely and i assume that you've been had an amazing relationship with weston audio for for quite some time oh man they're fantastic uh it changed the game for us uh, being able to just you know we, we move around a lot on the stage so a lot of times I'd, I'd have my center mix for you know lead vocals but you know 90 percent of the show i'm not there you know i'm up here i'm over there and and these guys too and just to be able to have that clarity of audio in our ears and it sounds so full and reliable, it's it's been a game changer. You guys? Yeah, absolutely. Can, I love your guys' yeah, opinions. I, I'm absolutely in love with uh, the products that West Tone makes. Um, we've been using, the, well, I use uh, the ES50s on tour now for probably about six to eight months since I got that. And, man, it was just, like you said, a game changer. The consistency of, you know, being able to hear all the things that you want to hear in a mix and basically, you know, you're hearing it in high definition and like, it's just, it's awesome. I'll never be able to do anything else, honestly. For sure. Yeah, just uh, a little bit redundant, but they're a game changer. And uh, I don't even use molded ones. I use just the standard ones and I have no problem with them. They don't come out, never falling out on stage. And I'm like windmilling and jumping around and doing everything. Like, I love them. You know, it's amazing too, because uh, I'm borrowing uh, some of their monitors myself and I'm not a musician. So for me... This is a brand new experience. Like I oh, never, right like I never had these, and these actually work really well. And I have really small ear canals, so for me, uh, usually I have to get something custom because of how small they are. And these actually fit really snug, and it's actually really comfortable. And I, and I gotta say, I really like the fact that they got uh, so many, such a variety. You know, if you want to have a little more thump in your ears, you know, you can get that extra driver. If you wanted more natural feel, where it's more of a flat EQ, more of a flat response, which is for me, that's ideal in my world. I do a lot of mixing in the studio, so I want it to sound as flat as possible, you know, so that it's translating to other systems and whatnot, you know. Or if I have the bass boosted in my ear, I might be cutting it down, you know, and then we go to play it in some uh, car system, and it's like, where's all the bass, you know? So, like, they have a ton of variety in their product, and Rochelle's pretty awesome, too. Oh, she's amazing. <laughs> and uh, I've interviewed her as well on, awesome, on, yeah. on the 8020 Show podcast, and it just it tr she's a truly amazing person. 100%. Absolutely. So one thing I do want to talk about is uh, usually a very unsexy topic, but I think it's an important topic, is hearing protection. 
and the importance of that. So can you talk a little bit more about uh, the importance of hearing protection? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, so for years, everybody in my band makes fun of me because I always turn my guitar amp way too loud. And uh, now, you know, that we have West Tone and, well, he's using the universals, but, you know, especially for the guys that are using the custom molds and, you know, it's taking all that extra stage sound out of the picture. Now I can, you know, mitigate the volume to not only what sounds good for me, but what is probably more healthy for my ears instead of just having to blast my guitar amp on, you know, 500 or whatever it might be. So I definitely feel like it's probably put some relief on my ears since I started using mine. And as far as that goes with me, like I, I grew up on drum lines and stuff, even though I sing for the band, I was always a drummer. And so I was damaging my ears for, you know, eight years in a row on snare drum. And uh, so being able to protect them now is huge, especially because like that's my wheelhouse is, is my ears and music and mixing. And, uh, you know, we self-produced our own record, you know, so. If we're not hearing it right, it's not going to come out right. So we got to make sure to keep it as healthy as possible. Anytime it's, my ears start to ring, I get like nervous. I'm like something's wrong, you know. Like me too, especially these days. I mean, I do, I do know I have slight tinnitus, mm-hmm. and that's, and I'm not even a musician. I mean, I just go to a lot of shows because sure. that's my job. But you know, it's it's something that I definitely felt that I should have done a long, long time ago. And, yeah. And now, no matter where I go, I have my my hearing protection with me. Yeah, absolutely. Anywhere that I go, because if I'm going to a, sh- especially if I know I'm going to a show, but pretty much anywhere, I'm, I mean, literally have it in my backpack right now. Yeah. Because you just don't know, and if there's a something that is extremely loud, I put those in almost immediately. And when you lose that, you're not getting it back. Yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> once you hear that, I think I, I, I'm no scientist by any means, but I'm pretty sure that once you start getting that ringing sound, you're losing certain frequencies. Yeah, like, that's what I've always heard as well, yeah. and that's what freaks me out because I'm like, I'm a frequency nerd. Like, I'd be like, the 6K is too hot in this, you know. And if I mm-hmm. lose that, like, you can't, you can't yeah, detect I don't want to lose that. <laughs> yeah, it's so important. So excellent. Um, so where can people find you? Um, on. Anywhere online, any social media outlet, Artifice, A-R-T-I-F-A-S, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, uh, TikTok, literally everywhere. And, you know, go give us a like, give us a follow. We got a tour coming up. We got a tour coming up. Uh, we're leaving out June 17th with a band called Modern Mimes. We're going to meet th- those guys for the first time. They seem really dope, so we're excited about that. And, uh, yeah, just keep up. You know, YouTube, we got music videos on there and everything. So go jam it, and uh, we hope everybody digs it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for dropping by. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Hey, Daphne. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. Good, good. It's It's nice to be back at NAMM. I know, right? It's, you know, I I realized how much I missed NAMM. It's it's a good time. It's an amazing time. It was an annual ritual for... Eight years for me until COVID stopped things for a little bit, but yeah. Has it been eight years? Because I think we both went pretty close to around the same time. I want to say, yeah, yeah. We, we probably started going, uh, I think, were you there the first time I was there when I was working for Carbon? That was a long time ago. That was a long ago. time ago. Maybe not. I think you, you, you're probably more of a veteran at this point than I am. <laughs> a little bit, although little that one bit. almost didn't count because I think I was only there for one day. <laughs> but still, but you know, being being at the convention for so long, mm-hmm. can you talk about the importance of conferences like these, like the NAM show and networking? Absolutely, yeah. No, the the uh, best part about uh, going to conventions like these is you get direct access to all of these great brands and companies that you. Otherwise, you know, if you don't live in the same state, if you don't, you know, like have a good line of contact, phone number, email, etc., can be a little tricky to establish relationships. But, you know, getting to actually have FaceTime with these people and connect and um, kind of, you know, have a little bit more of a personal relationship, really, it's, it's so cool to get to do that uh, here. Absolutely. And I do apologize. I, I always assume that everyone knows you by now because you are now, <laughs> you actually have the honor, I think, of now being the uh, being on the A20 show three times. Yeah. No, I, which I think is the most now of any guests ooh, I've had so all right, far. I'm going to keep that streak going. But in case anybody has not listened to the prior episodes, can you uh, introduce yourself a little bit more? And- Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I'm Daphne Green. 
Um, I am the lead singer of Daphne and the Glitches. That's my project uh, based out of Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I also sing for a band called Statues of Cats uh, that was LA based and uh, was on one of Mike's earliest bands that he worked with, 42 Eternal, way back when. That's a long time ago. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, specifically about Weston Audio um, yes. uh, and talk about more specifically about having proper gear. Because, I mean, you've been, you know, with so many uh, companies and organizations on all kinds of levels for, for gear. So can you talk about the importance of having, you know, proper equipment when performing? It is so crucial, so important. And, well, you know what? I'll say this. When you're just starting out, obviously you gotta you got to make whatever you have available work. Um, but after you have been doing the thing for a while and you start getting that experience with different types of gear, different uh, you know, levels of quality of gear, you start realizing what a big difference it can make to your ability to perform, uh, your stage presence, you know, the, the sonic quality of the music and the art that you create, uh, the visual presentation. Uh, you know, with lighting and, and all of those kinds of things. Um, and, I mean, specifically, I'm actually uh, so happy to be affiliated with Westone now. I'm, I'm finally getting to the point in my career where um, in-ears are becoming real crucial. Um, and, you know, getting to that, like, okay, that next step of, like, let's, let's get some wireless units. Let's, like, you know, like, actually be able to hear everything in the mix. Um, and, and that alone makes such a huge difference um, from a performer standpoint, just being able to hear yourself with such clarity and such precision, being able to hear the mix from the board, that kind of thing. Uh, and then not only that, I mean, I am definitely a huge advocate for uh, ear protection. Uh, I <laughs> have gone probably far too long being a little bit of a rebel and uh, not wearing ear protection. But um, I learned my lesson a couple shows ago getting blasted in the face by a Fender Twin uh, that was just in the wrong spot for me as a performer. Um, but yeah, no, now I always wear my ear protection. That's a, that's so important, and it's also too. Uh, you, I know that you go to quite a bit of shows. Yes, so absolutely. Having them at shows as well, and you know, sometimes I think people think that they look a little silly or things like that too, because you have stuff think, coming out of your ears. But frankly, at this point, it's like I don't care anymore. Like it, you know, protecting my ears is so far more important. Absolutely, and as a musician, anyone in the music industry, like being able to hear stuff yes. the best possible is pretty important i think and absolutely and also too they have clear ones too so sometimes like that you can you can be a little uh incognito incognito but you can also go colors as well if you like want to show off like yeah like, oh yeah like you know i'm industry like i need to protect my ears <laughs> i i definitely see a set of sparkly pink uh custom custom in ears for me in the near future that actually sounds pretty amazing yeah not gonna lie i'm ready Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Daphne. I really appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me. My it's always, pleasure. always a pleasure seeing you at NAMM. Thanks. Well, hello, Gabe. Hi, Mike. <laughs> so uh, Gabe has been, uh, uh, I guess, on the 8020 show before, but for those who haven't listened to your episode yet, uh, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Gabe Kubanda. I own the Edgy Musication Organization and Epic Proportions Tour, and I'm a musician with some new music coming out. That's amazing. So, and also, of course, an 8020 Records artist. Yes. And uh, so, how, how glad are you to be back at NAMM? I'm so happy to be back at NAMM. It's great to see everybody again. It's a reunion after, what, two years? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's Pretty amazing. Nuts. And I, I will always be grateful for you, Gabe, because you're the one who I'm pretty sure introduced me to NAMM. <laughs> at the very least, were my mentor in how to navigate the NAMM convention. Yeah, I was pretty much like, walk into the trade show, trade room floor, and just go nuts. <laughs> pretty much, but I, but you, what was great is that you allowed me to shadow you, and that's a very, uh, and that's something that I'm very much uh, respected, because you were going around to all these incredible people that were representing all these amazing brands, and to give me the opportunity to just at least be there and yeah. to listen to how you speak to them and what you're talking about and so forth and absorbing that information. And then even then, 
when the window was right to give me the opportunity to actually make an introduction to them myself. And that's something that I'll always be forever grateful for. And that's one of the things that you can't really learn until you do it, right? Yes. Until you're you're walking around, interfacing with people and knowing how to speak with people and just connect, right? And I mean, even through the pandemic, we've been able to hook up so many kids through our education program with our brands like Focusrite and Novation and others and giving them access to recording gear while they're stuck at home and MIDI keyboards and USB beat pads. And so to see those relationships that we've formed at NAM, I mean, literally uh, at NAM, walking into a booth saying hi, you know, to the product rep or to just to the guys working and to see that materialize in such a way to where kids at Title I schools are benefiting from this gear, from this relationship that was made at NAM. That's that's a, one of the big reasons why I hold NAM at such a personal, just a high level, you know, like, man, this is where you go to meet. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about the importance of equipment and gear up on stage because you've had a touring company for a long time and you know obviously through Edge of Musication have done quite a bit over the years um, both yourself as a musician as well as essentially you know being a touring manager for so many artists oh over God. the years. So can you talk about the importance of, of having a proper equipment up on stage especially when it comes to in-ear monitors? Oh yeah having great gear is a must I mean you know Let's be honest, when we are all starting out, we're just using whatever we can get our hands on and making do, and that's great, until you get to a level to where you really need reliability every single show. When you're playing upwards of 150 shows a year, you have to have reliability day in and day out. And you also have to have really great hearing protection, because um, especially, you're not gonna be able to hear yourself when you're performing at every single venue. Every venue has a different stage setup, different sound system, things might not be working sound engineer might be off to lunch and he cranks your monitors so you're dying <laughs> or there's no monitors and you can't hear yourself so you're blowing out your voice so it's really important especially with uh, when it comes to uh, I would say just hearing yourself on stage and having hearing protection is having great inner monitors that are custom molded to your ears that fit Obviously, I'm uh, partial to West Tone. West Tone is, uh, I'm one of West Tone's artists and I love West Tone. I've had some of their, um, their uh, higher level five driver ear, ear pieces for a while and I absolutely love them. And I use them for other things other than performing as well. So it's really great. What, el what else do you use it for? So I just bought the new Vanderhall Venice Roadster, which is a three wheeled souped up car that goes like turbo engine, open cockpit kind of rocket. And uh, when you're driving on the freeway, even if you're going 60, it feels like you're going 120 and it's super, super loud. So just the other day, and you hear all the road noise from all the other cars and stuff. So the other day I actually used my in-ear monitors to block out the road noise and also to listen to my tunes. <laughs> That's awesome. And it was amazing. So you can always find a good uh, use for your West tones. <laughs> <laughs> That might be a new usage. I don't know. Right, right. That's a that's a good one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's amazing. And what? How's the importance of hearing protection in general? I mean, obviously, up on stage is extremely important, but also attending shows as well. How important oh, yeah. is that to you? Obviously, you know, from a, pro a music professional standpoint, it's uber important because that's your livelihood. That's your job. But even as a festival goer, concert goer, as a music lover and appreciator, you want to be able to appreciate those frequencies into your uh, twilight years, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure if you've ever gone in and taken an uh, ear hearing test, they'll mark off which frequencies you're not quite hearing as much or the ones that are kind of deteriorating. And a lot of those are the bass and treble from loud concerts. Or maybe you have a working a construction job or you're working near airplanes or something. But you always want to kind of keep hearing protection at the forefront because you use your ears so much. I totally agree. Well, it's good to be back, Gabe. I'm really excited. Great Thank you so much. Great to see you, you again. Much. Yes. Great to see you, Mikey. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Always. All right, I am here with Nate. How's it going? Uh, very well. How are you, Mike? Doing good, thanks. Thanks Excellent. for being here. I appreciate it. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, so talk, talk to me a little bit about yourself. Like, where, you know, what's your background in music? Sure. Um, well, I'm a drummer and percussionist here in Los Angeles. Um, 
touring and recording, more recording over the past couple of years due to the pandemic conditions. Right. Um, but I've been playing drums since I was eight years old, and I've been playing professionally for about 15 years, I'd say. So, um, yeah, that's me. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. So is this the, since you're in Los Angeles, I assume this is probably your not, not your first time to NAMM, or is this your first time? Uh, no, I've been to NAMM before. Um, last time I was here was in 2020, so it's good to be back here with Westone and hanging out at the booth. So Absolutely. Yep. So uh, how has NAMM been important to you in your uh, building of your career? Well, NAMM is, I mean, it's a really, I mean, first of all, it's a great way to connect with your peers from all over the country and all over the world. You know, everybody's like, hey, are you going to be there this weekend? Let's hang out. You know, I have a bunch of friends on the East Coast in New York. And, and so, you know, this is a really good time for us to all get together and all be in the same place for a couple of days. So catch up in person. And I mean, even with the Internet being what it is now, um, it's you know everything needs to start face to face. I I really can't think of a project where I haven't had some sort of face to face interaction, even if everything after that point has been virtual. So being able to stay in touch, reconnect in person is is great, and also you know the gear you love and use all the time. I mean you really get to work with these people directly. You know you you get to meet the reps, you get to talk to them about the gear, find out what's going on, tell them what's working for you. You know offer ideas, get some insight. I mean it's really. Again, just the face-to-face -face interaction, I think, is, is really the key. And that's what you get here. I 100% agree. And this is, I think this is my eighth or ninth time at NAMM. And, and every single time I go, it is it is truly about the people that you meet. Both vendors as well as just other people, like you said, musicians in general. And just people that you've maybe emailed before or nowadays, like you mentioned, um, doing virtual meetings, things like that. It's great to have a face to the name and actually get to meet them in person. Absolutely. It's a very different experience. Absolutely. I, th I think it's crucial, really. So. So uh, let's talk about the importance about uh, gear up on stage. So uh, for performance, how important is it to you, especially when it comes to in-ear monitors? Uh, I mean, that, that is, especially today with, I mean, ev almost everybody's on in-ears. Um, and being able to hear what's going on is, I mean, it's everything. It's the most important thing, being a musician, is being able to hear. Not only being able to hear, but really being able to hear what your what in my case drums what the drums sound like through the microphones you know is the tuning working am i hitting them right am i getting any sort of weird resonances or anything and 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 you know whether you're on a big stage where if you take your ears out you can't hear anything or you know if i'm doing theater work they've usually got the drums and percussion in a room under the stage far away from the rest of the ensemble so i have to be able to hear not only the ensemble but the music director you know and be in contact with them or um, even if I'm recording at my studio or in a commercial studio, you know, again, I really have to hear what's coming through the microphone. So having an in-ear monitor that is accurately conveying what's happening, it's really important. Um, it can handle all of the information, all of the complexities of the live music signal, really, really important. Um, and also having one that fits really well and seals really well. So not only are you getting good audio quality because of that, but you're also protecting your hearing at the same time. And drums are really loud, so that's really important to me. So, I was to say, like, how important is hearing protection to you? I mean, it's 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 essential. I, luckily, my very first drum teacher, Forever Go, hammered it home to my parents. He's like, the kid needs to wear ear protectors all the time. So I actually got used to playing that way. And then, you know, the in-ear monitors are great because you can listen, you can hear everything, but they block. I think it's it's over 30 dB. It might even be 35 dB with West Tone of of the exterior noise. And so you can listen at a comfortable level, so you don't have to crank it to hear it, but you're protecting your ears at the same time. So if you want to keep playing music for the rest of your life, you got to protect your hearing. We haven't figured out how to do ear implants yet. I mean, we have cochlear implants, but it's not the same. So it's, it's really crucial. So I'm, I'm really thankful um, to have products like Westone where they're, they're really, you know, they're, they're a hearing company. That's, that's their, their focus. So they have a great product that sounds great but they're worried about the health and longevity of your ears at the same time. So it's 100% crucial. Absolutely. So, Well, thank you so much for stopping by. I really do appreciate it, Nate. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Mike. Absolutely. All right. So I'm here with Ty. How's it going, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, so yeah, tell me a little bit about yourself. I am currently out of Las Vegas and came down for the NAM convention because you got to go. Yeah, absolutely. Is this your first time to the NAMM convention? It's my first time in over a decade. 
Wow. So it came back in 2011, I believe. It might have been 2010. Memory's a little foggy there. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was in conjunction with uh, PRS Guitars. Oh, excellent. So this time around, it's with Westone Audio. And I was using Westone then, so still using Westone. Wow. So you've been using Westone for over 10 years now. Yeah, closer to 15 at this point. Excellent. That's amazing. So what would you say is, uh, is the importance of having gear like Westone up on stage with you when you're performing? Well, I think it's kind of impractical to not use in-ear monitoring, especially in this day and age. I mean, if you're in a garage you know, or a basement, it's fun to be able to feel the music uh, without time helping you. But I think it's really important to consider your hearing. Uh, I went and had my hearing tested after doing the, it was like a testing for the world's loudest amp. And so everybody was a little inquisitive when it came to you know, how their hearing health was. And I went in and got tested at Miracle Ear and they were like, you know, no hearing damage whatsoever. All your frequencies are above average and, you know, healthy spikes in the vocal range. So, yeah, it's uh, to me, it's an invaluable resource because whether you're on stage in front of, you know, 100,000 people or you're on stage in front of five people, it's nice to be able to control what you can hear. So having a good monitor engineer is really important I think as well and if you can do your own mix more power to you but there's also a really valuable aspect in terms of your own performance on stage because you can connect with yourself in a way that I feel is a little incompatible with you know stereo wedges it it's kind of impossible almost these days I think to do it in a stadium situation because there's so much slap back and reverberation that you need to have that tightness, you know? And for that many people, if there's 100,000 people, if there's 50,000 plus, there's so much variation with the distance of how sound travels when you're on stage and it has to be precision perfect. Like it has to be exact and precise. At least when I'm performing, that's what I prefer and that's what I'm striving for. So, I don't know, a lot of people don't use a click. I think it's necessary just for the sake of getting better in a lot of different ways. That way you can push to be on top of the beat and back of the beat. If everybody's just trying to feel a pocket and feel for a pocket, it's really difficult from a rhythmic sense to make any sense of what's going on. Even if you've played with people for 20 years or if you're playing with the best in the world, it may be applicable in like a small club type setting, I think, but even then having in-ear protection, it's more than just the protection for your ears, it's your ability to communicate with the other people that are on stage and your audience as well. Because when you're looking in people's eyes in the audience and you're singing something to them, they're listening to the words that you're saying and the melody, it kind of transcends normal conversation it's it's got a little bit extra it's got a little bit more than just normal conversation not to say that normal conversation isn't kind of a song you yeah. know because we're talking yeah we're kind of singing in a way you know there's a cadence and pentameter that we back and forth so and there's communication there's a message that's being conveyed by both of us 100 percent. i believe that and i think that when you're on stage there's a reason I mean, you're not just up there for happenstance or something like that. I mean, there's a clear directive as to, okay, am I going to go up on stage or am I not? You know, even even when you're flying into a show, like I can remember going to shows and it's like, you know, the, the places are taped out backstage and I've got the guy who's with the flashlight showing me which way to go. Okay, now walk up the stairs and this is where you stand on stage. And I remember thinking to myself the whole time, I know I'm here. I mean, it's never a question. And so when you're getting prepped backstage and you're putting in your in-ears and you can actually hear yourself. I mean, even as I'm doing this talking right now and I start to close my one ear off, I'm like, oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to strain as much, do I? Because yeah. now I can hear myself. And I think that's really what having in-ear protection, it does more for the listener, I think. Um, 
for the people that are actually listening to you perform. And I mean, I used to I used to mix records with my Westone audio in ears. I mean, there was different. I mean, I remember going to I was I was visiting Blackbird Studio at the time, and there was another couple guys that were doing mixes, and they were asking me for references. They'd say, "Okay, this is what I hear. What do you hear?" And when I would listen to the mixes, I didn't like using the monitors. I would use my in-ear monitors from Westone. They were always the custom molds. For me, the the universal, I think, is it's great, but I think custom molds are the only way to go. Like if someone's thinking about getting custom molds or trying the universals, definitely try it, but allow yourself to feel comfortable enough to have your ears shot because, man, it makes a huge difference. I mean, the, the lock-in, it's just perfect. You get everything spaced just right and you feel, you feel safe on stage. You know, it's not like, is something going to go out? something going to happen. I mean, if you ever need a reference, you can just slide one of them partially out, check the resonance between your head and your ear. So, or if you're on an instrument, you can feel the resonance coming from your amp or from your guitar or bass. It's just, I don't know, the word that keeps coming back to me is invaluable. I mean, you pay X amount for them, but man, you're getting back so much. And the other thing too, and it's great that you mentioned about protection too. Is like once you lose, once you lose, start losing frequencies. Once you start doing damage, I mean that's permanent. It's very difficult to get any sort of regeneration within that spot inside the ear. Anything that's um, you can say cochlear, um, cochleal would be another way. I mean, if you're going to split it asymmetrically, it's very difficult to get any sort of regeneration within that part of the ear. I mean, you can regenerate lung and brain tissue quite a bit easier, and that's not easy to do either. <laughs> so, wow, with, with your that. ears, yeah, I mean, that's the the high exposure to really loud decibel levels, like gunshots. I mean, anything like like a seven mm, something like that. A really loud clap is right next to the ear, depending on what it is. You can kind of get like an analogical idea of how loud something like that is. Or like running a chainsaw right next to your head. You know, my dad ran a chainsaw for years, still runs a chainsaw. And, you know, I don't know if he used a whole lot of hearing protection, but he always made sure that I wore hearing protection. If he was ever shooting or anything, like we grew up in Montana. So it was like we became marksmen and we'd go hunting. And, you know, if you wanted to eat meat, you had to go out and you had to get it. So that didn't mean going to the grocery store. It meant going and finding it in the woods <laughs> after you got wow. a tick, you know, or one of the licenses. But, yeah, it was... Uh, it was like a process of understanding for me with my ears because I had very sensitive hearing as a child. And when I had them tested, actually it was my father who said, you know, why don't, why don't you come in with me when I'm getting my hearing aids at Miracle Ear and see, see just if you have any damage. I'm just curious to see if you have any damage. And I was like, oh, no. Like, I was kind of sheepish, you know. I was like, no, please don't make me go in there. I'm sure I have some sort of hearing damage, you know. The guy, was, he was familiar with my work in the music industry. He's like, I'm a really big fan, actually. If, if you have your ears tested, for me personally, it would be kind of interesting just as someone who works with ears sees the charts day in and day out just to kind of see where you're hitting at. And I said, okay, I suppose, you know. And they get me into the booth and I do the hearing test and I'm, you know, kind of expecting the worst. But he showed me the chart, and I had this massive spike in the affirmative right at about 3.75. So in between 3.75 to 4.25, I have uh, abnormally sensitive hearing. So I can hear things that most other people can't, is what they tell me. Um, and the other frequencies are all above average. So I attribute that 100 to, I would say 100%. <laughs> to 100% plus, you know, if that's a possibility in terms of rationale, to hearing protection. And Westone Audio has been a must-have for me. I remember one show I didn't have my in-ears that were custom fit. Oh, it was, it was like pulling teeth. Like the whole show I was like, oh man, like I miss my custom in-ears <laughs> so much. And, and you don't really realize it until you experience it. So... When I first moved to Nashville to start working in the music industry as more of a hired professional as opposed to something that I just enjoyed doing, uh, 
it kind of bridged the gap in my ability to understand what people were looking for in terms of entertainment and a product and what I felt comfortable with doing as an artist and as someone who had a voice. So, you know, I tried a few of the different in-ears and there's some great companies out there. And each one I felt like I was getting a little bit closer, just a little bit closer, like, oh, now the bottom end's kind of there, but I'm missing some mid-range and okay, the mid-range is there, but the symbols aren't cutting through it. You know, like 10K is, it's a little shiny. It's not quite clear enough. And with Westone, it was like, as soon as you guys did my custom in-ears the first time, and Dale Douglas was the, the guy that I was introduced to. And Dale's a great guy. Yeah. He said to me, you make sure that you get your hearing in mold, or uh, he called, they didn't call him in molding back then. It was uh, the impressions done. He said, you make sure you get that done first. He said, and then we'll talk. Because if you're just going to use the universal ones, you'll probably have a good experience, but I don't think you'll stick with it for very long. So I went and got my customs done, and I got fitted for them, and it was just night and day. I mean, I've literally, I've never gone back. And there's been, at this point in my life, like I'm 36 years old, thousands upon thousands without getting repetitive we'll just say tens of thousands of hours in my lifetime that i have been trying to hone in those frequencies and understand the ideas of resonance and you know like perfect pitch people all the time tell you oh you, you know you have perfect pitch or you don't well you know there's relative pitch as well but once you understand relative pitch it almost makes you more aware of what perfect pitch is because then you're hearing all sound as music it's not just noise anymore someone hits the car you know with a, with a horn and you're going okay great that's about three and a half cents short you know and then you feel it, you know it's like the concept of balance comes into play then because then you feel like this big gust of wind and then the the radio frequency kind of changes just a little bit and you hear the difference and you're like okay if i could have solid finite perfection every single time what would it sound like it sounds like Westone. You know, like, it's as close to an analogy as I can come to, you know, something being perfect for my ears. I just, I remember the last time I talked to Dale, I was, I was up about, I think I was over 8,000 feet. I was doing high altitude training for my voice. I had moved back to Montana in 2012 after working kind of as a hired gun and a session guy. I did ghost writing and all kinds of different production and development work with different artists and bands and at that point, I had found it necessary to get away from touring as much and being as involved with everybody else's life and just be able to apply myself in a way that I'd always dreamed of. So I talked with some different physicians and they said the high altitude training was something that the world's highest class of athlete at the pinnacle would strive to do for a few months. You know, they'd say, okay, try and get close to six months of high altitude training in and you'll see probably four to five years of your life where it's like you'll have increased pulmonary and respiratory health and so I stayed for five years five years and I grew up in Montana so I kind of had a little bit of an in in terms of some really good people that supported me through that process and I was very grateful and very blessed to be in a position where I could have so much free time to just rack up the hours I mean in a day I'd wake up and I would have my breakfast already prepped and it'd be less than 10 minutes and I was out the door and I would hit the high altitude and I'd be up there hours and hours and hours and I'd have a little bit of a lunch packed and there was five minutes so there was my lunch and hours and hours at high altitude and then I had an altitude simulation mask from oh, what, what's that company called? It's the, uh, they do the high altitude simulation. Sorry, oh. I'm looking at my wife over there. She's got, <laughs> she, she has the answers when I don't. <laughs> Not that I have any answers, but um, I think it's training mask okay. is what it's called. Uh, and it's an elevation simulation where it just increases the resistance in your lungs. So I would go up to actual 8,000 plus, you know, like Moonlight Basin up around Big Sky, Montana. And... I would do really extensive, really, I don't know, people would say damaging. I think most of the vocal professionals and the vocal coaches that I knew as colleagues 
had said anything over 90 minutes and it was just kind of they're like you're gonna do harm to your voice and I was like ah, I, I I think I'm gonna be okay like I, I think there's a bit of an anomaly here in terms of how hard I can push myself because you know like when I was a kid doing weightlifting and bodybuilding and stuff like that they said oh you don't want to wear yourself out like well I don't know if that's possible <laughs> you know you might get tired but if you can kind of push through it and make yourself do more than you think you can do so that's I think where a lot of that grit comes out and you start to hear that the concept of grit just the word grit if you look at clarity in the top end of a lot of the Westone products like I use the ES80s so as far as I know it's kind of the top of the line product not a lot of room for expansion in terms of frequency because the human ear doesn't hear a whole lot more than what the ES80s do and I can attest to that being accurate because wow. when I would get into those high altitude situations, you hear certain frequencies start to thin out. It's not just oxygen. So I'd have my in-ears in the entire time. All of the, the tens, like I would say uh, there, was a, there was a tens unit that I used as well. It was kind of like a muscle response trainer. So I would use that, you know, in conjunction with uh, the training mask and then the altitude simulation and then I would extend the hours past what most people would consider even somewhat reasonable so I'd you know get to the eight hour mark and then I would test it and then and this was you know doing full scream full vocal fry none of the false chord and so full range all the way through the voice and the more that I developed the endurance and the stamina the more I came to appreciate having my in-ears and it was really difficult almost to kind of get molded for them again because you develop that type of attachment to a product mm -hmm. you see these guys spending half a million dollars on a guitar couldn't imagine playing a show without it or they have a custom guitar model this is my signature model couldn't imagine using anything else well, I literally can't use anything else. <laughs> like, I don't have to imagine not using anything else because it's the only product that I use with my ears because I trust you guys. We've developed this type of relationship where I don't feel like I'm in danger of damaging anything. And unless I have West Tone in my ears, you're not going to hear me on stage. You know, like that's... There's been many times over the years where, I mean, I turned down all kinds of stuff. I did one, one spotlight for Gibson, because the Gibson Showcase mm -hmm. is, uh, it's, it's the Gibson Showroom. The acoustics are made outside of Bozeman, Montana. And so I, I did one song, uh, and that was in 2012. But I've been waiting purposefully since then to get back on stage. So we're at the precipice of the jumping off point. And I don't know, man, the water feels nice here in Anaheim. It's awesome. <laughs> it is. Like it, it's just such a blessing to be here, and I appreciate you taking time to uh, just speak with me and, and let me be a part of what Westone is doing because you guys have been around for longer than I have in the professional sense, and I just am really grateful well, thank to you, be able Diane. to use you guys' product. And it's, it's really inspiring, so th thank you so much for stopping by. Really of course. Appreciate thank it. you, Michael. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to The 8020 Show. If you haven't already, please subscribe or follow. If you enjoyed the episode or this podcast overall, please leave us a review or comment on our socials, which you can find us at 8020records on pretty much all platforms. You can also check us out on our website at www.8020records.com. And as always, be happy, be healthy, and be productive.